in-depth, investigative. This is KXAN News Today. And a live look this morning at the state capitol. Greg Abbott will be sworn in here later today for his third term as governor. Good morning, I'm Tom Miller. And I'm Erica Brennis. It's inauguration day for Abbott and several other state leaders. You can expect tight security starting as early as 6 this morning, including airspace. No drones are allowed within half a mile of the Capitol. And this comes as the legislative session has already kicked off last week. Several bills filed aiming to keep students safe at school. One of the key communication failures in the Uvalde mass shooting was the alerts. Not everyone in the school received them about the gunman right away. Many Texas schools have alert systems that send warnings online through a smartphone app. Faulty Wi-Fi connection, teachers just not being near their phones, delayed alerts in Uvalde. That's why some lawmakers are advocating for panic button type technology in schools, meaning they wouldn't have to rely on Wi-Fi or phones to communicate emergencies to local first responders. KXAN's Monica Madden reports. Give them a chance to live is what we're trying to do here. It looks like a regular ID card. Very easy to use and wearable. But with a few clicks of a button, this badge sets a security alert system in motion. It also sends a precise location of users to first responders. And we're not relying on a GPS locating device. It's a special technology we've created. As a former teacher, Heather Connolly says she wishes she would have had something like the Syntegix badge. I can tell you I rarely had my cell phone in my hand when I was teaching because I was teaching, I was working. You're actually counting on a lot of human behavior and a lot of human acceptance in order to use it. And that is what failed in Uvalde. She now works for the company, trying to get it in as many schools as possible. We have saved lives. And teachers can also use this for medical emergencies. They press the button three times and it alerts administrators. But in the case of an active shooter, they'll keep pressing the button until they hear the alarms off and then it will alert the entire school and even 911. Technology like this caught the attention of state lawmakers like Democratic Representative Sean Theory. It's not political for me, it's personal. I'm the mom of a 10-year-old daughter. They call her junior rep. Her bill would require similar panic button technology across all Texas school districts. What we saw in Uvalde was tragic. Time equals life. Within minutes, within seconds, all of that makes the difference between saving a life. With all of the systematic failures in Uvalde, Theory knows these devices alone are not the only answer, but she says it's a good step. You can't let perfect get in the way of good. It's just another way to make sure that our teachers and our children are not uh, sitting in a silo in the event of emergency, unable to really reach the outside world. Monica Madden, KXAN News. Last session, Theory's bill got bipartisan support and passed the House, not the Senate though. She's feeling more hopeful this time with ongoing bipartisan discussions in the Senate. If you're curious about the cost and implementation of these devices, you can learn more at KXAN.com. First warning weather with meteorologist Kristen Curry. Good Tuesday morning. We begin with a look at what's going on on clouds and radar. Quite a bit of cloud cover, not seeing anything in the way of rain. Now, as far as the current uh, visibilities and temperatures go, it's a little dicey in some spots, but not everywhere. Here's what I mean. Our Palms Car Wash camera, this is up in northwest Austin, right along 183. I can clearly see 183, and we're talking a 45-degree temperature. You get into our eastern counties, you can't see a whole lot in front of you. Fayette County, Lee County, Bastrop County, all looking at visibility 
facilities less than a mile. Dense fog advisory is in place for Fayette County too, but that fog isn't nearly as much of a problem from I-35 westward. So just heads up for our Eastern County friends wanting to make sure that you know an extra few minutes for your morning commute is needed. Temperatures area wide in the 40s and 50s this morning. As far as where we're going from those 40s and 50s, it is going to be a very quick recovery. 70s by lunch forecast high today, 81 degrees. We are on track to at least tie the daily record, if not surpass it with this warmth. So record winter warmth is what we're calling today. Tomorrow, though, changes. This cold front comes in early. We're going to see some cooler temperatures. We're going to see a little bit of rain, but not much out of this first cold front. I think the fire danger is going to waste no time sneaking in here behind this cold front, too. So coming up in your first morning forecast, I'll fill you in on the details. Everything you need to know for the work week is coming up in just a few minutes. Thank you, Kristen. The Travis County Sheriff's Office is investigating how an inmate died. The department says Israel Molina was found unresponsive in his unit yesterday morning. According to the sheriff's office, the man was booked into county jail for a DWI. First responders gave Molina CPR, but he later died at the hospital. A final autopsy report is pending. More fallout from the White House and the scrutiny really starting to ramp up right now after aides found additional classified documents at President Biden's home over the weekend. House GOP leaders now want visitor logs from Biden's home, which the Secret Service says doesn't exist because it's a private residence. Biden's personal attorneys found the first batch of documents just before the midterm elections in the president's former private office in Washington. Senate Republicans are questioning why it took so long to notify the public. That sounds like a little bit of engineering from my perspective. And the second thing is the stench of hypocrisy coming from this administration is making the American people sick. Democrats say the Biden team turned the documents over to authorities right away. The new information Austin police could have today about the downtown shooting this weekend. And now we are hearing local concerns about that new COVID variant making its way through Texas. Happy Tuesday morning. Hopefully your day is starting off quiet, calm. This is a live look from the Palms Car Wash at I-35. It is quiet out there right now. Today, Austin police could share the identity of the man officers shot and killed late Sunday night. This happened downtown near West 6 and Colorado streets. Chief Joseph Chacon says someone called 911 around 1130 at night reporting a man with a gun. Another caller reporting complete chaos saying people were running away. APD found a man with a gunshot wound. He is expected to be okay. but. As police continued their search for the shooter, Chacon says officers found a man who matched the description holding a gun. Chacon says he ran away when police approached him. Officers multiple times were given the direction to the individual to, to drop the weapon. Within seconds of the foot pursuit beginning, uh, shots were fired. Uh, there were multiple officers that discharged their uh, duty firearms at the individual, and then the individual did go down. Chief says officers gave him immediate medical attention, but he later died at the hospital. The three officers who fired shots are on administrative leave per department protocol. APD will release body camera video within the next 10 business days. How Washington is planning to help out and ramp up the local fight against fentanyl. And why two 19-year-olds in Lano are facing capital murder charges. 
Cowboys put it all together last night in Tampa, and they are headed west now. I've got more on that coming up. Good morning, a live look through downtown Austin. You can see I-35 and the cars zipping along. No major problems at this hour. It is early and we appreciate you being here with us on KXAN News today. Prehistoric cats in the Texas Hill Country. That's quite the attention getter here. I know. Last week, paleontologists with the University of Texas went a mile underground hoping to remove ancient cat skeletons. But how old are these skeletons and where do they come from? KXAN's Eric Henriksen visited the dig site to learn how they're gonna find these answers. Okay, seriously. All right, let's do it. This five-man team is suiting up. Thank you, brother. Yeah. Heading nearly a mile underground. Heading down. In search of prehistoric cats. Highest concentration of bones is right in front of you guys, right? They're ancient. Um, they've been in this cave for a very long time. Paleontologist John Moretti is a PhD candidate with UT Austin. He and a team from Natural Bridge Caverns in Kamau County crawled through mud and rock in search of small wild cat remains preserved here in, in the cave at Natural Bridge Caverns. Hey, this is actually the left uh, side of the mandible, the lower jaw. It seems almost hard to believe. Why would they be coming into the cave? Brad Wiest led the expedition to collect the cat skeletons, the first of which was discovered in 1963. One of the Natural Bridge Caverns discoverers, Orion Knox, first found his way into a chamber called the dungeon. They squeezed back through this long tunnel. It led them to this, this pitfall drop into a huge room. And right at the base of the pit, there was a skeleton of a small wild cat. UT researchers removed and studied those remains. Fast forward uh, to, to current era, uh, we went back to the dungeon. And they found more bones. They went over to a neighboring pit room. There was another skeleton in there. Then in a tunnel connecting the two rooms. There is cat tracks preserved in the sediment in, in places where people have not stepped. How did these wildcats get that far back into the cave? Did they actually come in from the natural entrance and travel in absolute total darkness? The team uses survey equipment and sketches to track the recovery effort. Right here, I've got uh, where I, have, I sketched the inferno room, the overlaying passage above where the cat tracks are located. Photos of these tracks will help the team determine the cat's movement. Sometimes the claws are in. Sometimes you can see the track kind of slip. And with the recovered bones, they'll be able to collect DNA to discover the cat's species and age. What you need to date a bone is actually a protein that we make when we're alive. Which the cave preserves. It's like keeping a sandwich in your refrigerator as opposed to on the counter, right? It's gonna go funny way sooner on the counter. Moretti says the cats will help scientists better understand the ancient history of wildlife in the hill country, a history that's been buried until now. In Kamau County, Eric Henriksen, KXAN News. If you're feeling a bit adventurous, you can see the cat paw prints up close. Natural Bridge Caverns offers adventure tours that pass the prints. The tour does involve some intense caving, including crawling through some tight spaces. Nope. So, uh, yeah.
Not for me. The spelunking has got to be something that you feel good about. I mean, it's so impressive to me that scientists could look at a rock like that and say, oh, that's a cat footprint. You right. Know? Because I just see a rock, but then when you tell me it's a cat footprint, I'm like, okay, I can kind of see it if I like yeah. spin my yeah. eyes and my head. The fact that that's right in our backyard is pretty down cool. It is cool. cool. Yeah. All right, let me show you what's going on outside this morning. Clouds and radar not giving us a show just yet. We are going to see quite a bit of cloud cover uh, this morning on the lower side in our eastern county. So patchy fog here and there. Is it anything that's widespread? No. Temperatures, 40s and 50s this morning. 56 in Austin, 52 Georgetown. Good morning, Burnett. 51 as you guys are kicking off Tuesday. Tuesday after a holiday too, so we're probably wiping the sleepy out of our eyes. It is a cooler start to the day. We're down five to about 15 degrees. Forget the cooling trend though this afternoon. We've got dry air in place and we're going to see a good amount of sunshine and a good warm up once we get rid of some of this cloud cover that we have in our eastern counties. I, I mentioned it earlier. I just want to mention again, Lee Fayette County right now. You're picking up some of the densest fog. Those ratings down to about a mile and a half, if not a half a mile. We know what to do. Slow the speeds. Turn off the uh, the brights there. Just use your low beams. Bus stop forecast. Our temperatures going from those 40s and 50s this morning to the 80s this afternoon. 81 degrees of forecast high. That is likely going to tie the current record last set back in 1999. We got plenty of sunshine to help get us there, but the clouds return quickly overnight ahead of cold front coming in tomorrow morning. This cold front is going to push west to east across our area through the morning. So be here tomorrow morning watching KXAN News today because I'll time out some of that rain for you as it's coming in. Maybe one or two isolated storms in the east, but the cold front clears and for the rest of your Wednesday, we're dry. I mean, I expect all of the shower activity to be out of the way by lunchtime. Most of the severe weather threat, not all the severe weather threat, out east of us, that lime green color, just a general risk of one or two isolated storms mixing within those showers tomorrow morning. Not a whole lot of rain, though. Maybe about a tenth of an inch to a quarter of an inch if we're lucky, but it's the rain in the morning. Fire danger in the afternoon. Very high fire danger in orange. High fire danger in the I-35 corridor here. This is for tomorrow, and they already went ahead and issued a fire weather watch for the hill country tomorrow. So we are very vulnerable with our fire danger behind that coal front. Make sure you're refraining from any sort of open flame activities tomorrow. Low 80s today, upper 70s with those rain chances in the morning tomorrow. Fire danger in the afternoon. Dry Thursday, Friday, but cooler. And then another system looking to bring us at least the possibility of rain on Saturday reinforces the cool down in the 60s. This is KXAN Sports, brought to you by Thomas J. Henry. Good morning to you. Dak Prescott said he didn't listen to all the talk about the last time the Cowboys won a road playoff game or just their overall playoff struggles as they went to Tampa on Monday night. And the Cowboys, well, early on the offense struggled. Then they kicked it into gear. Third possession of the ball game, and Dak Prescott just outside the 20-yard line. And, boy, beautiful right there to Dalton Schultz. Had everybody fooled. And the Cowboys take the lead, but they miss the extra point, so six to nothing. And the Buccaneers start to drive, and then the unthinkable Tom Brady. An interception to J. Ron Curse, the first time he's thrown a pick in the red zone since 2019. And then Cowboys deep, fourth down. Mike McCarthy says, We're going for it. Oh, that was a good one. The old naked bootleg, and Dak makes it 12 nothing, but they miss the extra point. Still 12 nothing. And then. 
Cowboys again. And look at this throw by Prescott going to his left and throws an absolute dart to Schultz. And are you kidding me? They missed the extra point again. So it's 18-0. And then Cowboys close out the half. Great ball fake and the touchdown to Michael Gallup. Couldn't miss four. Could Brett Maher. Oh, he doinks it off the upright. Four consecutive missed extra points. Good news for the Cowboys. They were up 24 to nothing. Now Buccaneers finally get on the scoreboard and then check this out. Fourth and four. They're not going to kick a field goal. And Prescott, a wide open C.D. Lamb. And that is the dagger. And oh, by the way, Maher does make that extra point. Buccaneers out of score. They're celebrating outside of AT&T. They're celebrating inside of Tampa. And the Cowboys do get that playoff win in emphatic fashion over Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. So now they hit the road again, and they will play Sunday afternoon, the last game of the weekend against the 49ers. Now, here's the kicker. There's still a chance the Cowboys could host the NFC Championship game. If the Giants beat the Eagles and the Cowboys beat the 49ers, then they would play at home for a trip to the Super Bowl. A lot has to happen before then. Texas men number seven in the nation. They're in action tonight at Iowa State. Back to you. Thank you, Roger. A new COVID variant, XBB 1.5, really quickly spreading right now in the United States. Health officials actually say it's the most contagious variant so far, and it's already been reported in the Travis County area. The good news is Travis and Williamson counties recently returned to low risk from COVID but Hayes County remains at high risk. And KXAN Sarah Alshay talked to a new business owner in San Marcos about his concerns over a spike in cases. Arabian Nights Hookah Lounge in San Marcos just opened its doors for business Monday. This is our first week of business. We were like uh, anticipating a lot of crowd since the school starting this week. Owner Suhel Asani says he's eager to welcome customers. This is gonna be a great alternative to the library setting. It's more fun, more social. But he's also concerned about the new COVID variant XBB 1.5. During the first wave of COVID, most of the hookah lounges in San Marcos closed down. It is going to be really hard for you to keep six feet distance between two people when you're coming as a group. Post-doctoral researcher at the University of Texas College of Natural Science, Kaiming B, says this new variant is the most contagious one yet. The entire United States we are almost at the peaking of XBB 1.5. In Texas, B says cases haven't spiked, but he expects that will change soon. About 25% of the uh, cases are related to XBB 1.5. So that number is, is lower than national average. So we expect that will be higher in the next weeks or Nice Leaving Asani hoping his new business can weather XBB 1.5 and any other COVID variants that may arise in the future. Creates like a little bit of fear in our mind because we know what happened with the first wave. So we just want it to be successful and not, you know, wash away with COVID. Sarah Olshah, KXAN News. Going in depth on this, according to the most recent data, about 7% of Texans live in a county rated high risk. Approximately 69% of Texans live in a medium-risk county, while about 23% live in a low-risk area. Thanks for joining KXAN News today. You can also listen to KXAN News Nightly every weekday after 5.30 p.m. for in-depth coverage on what matters most to you.